do yourself a favor if you're on instagram that is and go and follow sober underscore leon also do yourself a favor go on to soundcloud and check out the ep sextronica both of which are pieces of work by my friend leon pinto turner i've known leon since i first started teaching yoga he is a flamboyant um, friendly and fabulous human being is that three f's yeah that's pretty good and uh, he's someone who I've known for a while now. And uh, he was actually on, came to my first ever retreat as well. Leon has got a really interesting life story. He is originally from Australia. He experienced some big struggles while he was in Australia because uh, his uh, parents are from Goa. And he experienced a lot of severe bullying when he was growing up. But then he moved to the UK to pursue a career in pop stardom. Now, unfortunately, that didn't work out. And on top of that, Leon discovered alcohol. And like some people, unfortunately, he fell into alcoholism. Uh, well, since then, the good news is Leon is sober, hence the Instagram handle. And he has been so for a year. So I was really happy he came uh, to join us today because this conversation is full of laughs, um, some tears, and um, a whole lot of feeling <laughs> so um if you like it please share with a friend if it helps you if you found it moved you that'd be fantastic also subscribe leave a like maybe leave a comment um or um tell people about it that'd be great as well if you would like to support this podcast and look after yourself this is a commercial break <laughs> you can skip if you're listening on um on iTunes or, your, or Spotify, you can probably skip, like, just hit twice the 15-second button, and that'll probably get you past this bit. But if you don't know, then I have an online platform where you can practice movement and meditation with me, obviously. This platform is very high quality, the highest quality I, I, I can produce because I'm into video and audio, and it's €19 Euro per month. I upload content every week, brand new content, and you can try it out for free, for free, on a seven-day free trial. Uh, if for more information, go to Kevin Yoga forward slash kevinballyoga.ie forward slash membership. Get it right, okay? And um, check it out. So without further ado, here is the man himself, the very fabulous, the very great, the very powerful, Leon. Leon. Hello. How are you? Good, thank you. you straight away, you're by far the best-dressed guest of this house ever yes. <laughs> so thank you if you're if you're um, listening to this on audio you're missing out basically because this is audio and video podcast um it's been a while yes just before lockdown mm. we're not going to mention the c word as in coronavirus well, oh <laughs> all right <laughs> because supposedly if supposedly if you mention it you get like um that or a swear word which is fine as well but you get demonetized or the 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 youtube algorithm um it can it can pick up on speech the same way if you if you were to do a video they could do the closed captions automatically it's like speech recognition right so if you say certain words uh, they put you down on the list in terms of how searchable your video is. Now, as I mentioned to you before we start recording, some things I say, I think I might make them up, <laughs> but I heard that somewhere and I'm believing it to be true. Okay. Yeah. But um, so, yeah. So no swearing. I have yeah, to watch because I, I do say the F 
word a lot. Well, Try not to say that. Well, actually, I, I like what Stephen Fry has to say about swearing. And that is um, sometimes people say swearing is unnecessary. But Stephen Fry says, you know, for example, having a, a fabulous jacket like that is unnecessary, but it's colorful and adds spice to life. Same way that swearing does. I think swearing is quite funny, you know, and also the F word yes. is very useful because it's a verb, uh, a noun. <laughs> it does many things. Yeah. So, yeah, swear if you would like to swear. Um, firstly, so let, let's take it back to the beginning. Okay. The very, the very beginning. Yes. Where are you from? I am from Sydney, Australia. Okay. My parents are from Goa. So that's in the south of India. So they are um, of Indian and Pakistani mixed with Portuguese in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then they had my two sisters there in Goa and then moved to Germany, to Munich. And then... And you moved to Germany too? No. They moved to Munich. Then they moved to Sydney in 81 and I was born in 84. Ah. So I missed all of this traveling. Okay. So when did you move then? Did you go to London or England, sorry, UK before you came to Ireland? I went to London in 2008 mm -hmm. and then and then back to backwards and forwards. Then it was Sydney and Dublin, Sydney, Dublin, Sydney, Dublin, Sydney, Dublin, and then now Dublin. When did the music, because when we first met, right, we met for yoga, we met, um, you came to my class, and it's funny how you make uh, assumptions about someone when you see them. I was like, oh, wow, look at this geezer. He's like really tough looking. You know? He's like really intimidating looking. I bet he's going to crush my hand when he, when he shakes it, that type of thing. And then when I met you, you were so lovely. So, so you know, so gentle. Um, and then well, I think one of the first conversations we had was actually about your music. You sent me a link uh, to SoundCloud uh, to your album. Uh, it was an EP. EP, yeah. An EP, yeah. Um, so when did that career start? When I was seven. So all of that started... <laughs> So all of that started, the, the singing and dancing started when I was seven. I was doing nine to 12 hours of training a week. And so... Well, sing, singing training? Yeah, singing and dancing training, yeah, and acting, but I was never good at that. That's fine. We can't be good at everything. <laughs> I was good at the other two. Very good at the other two. Um, <laughs> and um, so, and then, you know, that was a part of my... So, yeah, so we that was all through my childhood, and I was doing lots of shows, and I was part of a show group, and we'd do a lot of shows and singing and dancing. And then, and then I got a contract, and then we... But I was all, and I was actually real, what you, what you haven't heard is I was working on something for four years, which is very different to what you heard, which is very electronic and poppy. Um, so you what were you were working on something for four years, yeah, like music wise. Okay, and that was more of a world music. It was very still based in pop, but it was more more world music based, um, which is what I really wanted to do. But they kind of said, no, you have to do something very. I don't want to say generic, but just something very pop commercial. Right, mm -hmm. so 2008, you know, Timberland was a big. That was the, the sound. So it was very R&Bish. Justin Timberlake's Future Sex Love Sounds. That type of record mm -hmm. was what they wanted. So we just and I, we just, I just wrote and recorded that in two weeks. What you listen to yeah. on SoundCloud? That's Leon Pinto, by the way. <laughs> um, if you guys want to go check that out. <laughs> yeah. um, did you? So you uh, recorded it. Mm -hmm. Did you do any of the mixing, the mastering, that type? What, I, what, by the way, what is mixing and mastering? I say that okay, like I know so, what it is. Was not so. <laughs> I I can't read or write music. So I have I, I require a, a producer or another musician to to give me a piece of music and I'll write over it. So I wrote the lyrics and the melodies and I did the vocal arrangements for that. So that's that's my place. And then of course imagery. <laughs> um, so then the recording side, which is which we've got a little baby set up here. The mastering mixing is, for example, 
Do you touch this after we record it? Like no. sound-wise? Okay, so um, there's a chance that I might be softer than you when you when the listeners are listening. So mixing would be turning my voice up to the same level that your voice is ah. and making sure that all the levels are right. And, for example, um, if we have mm. a, a band with us, for, for, let's pretend it's a live band and you've got a five-piece band, the keyboards um, and the guitarist, you've got drums, you've got bass, right? That's a standard right. um, setup. So the keys might not be loud enough or you may not want to, or you may not want that loud in the mix you don't okay. want to hear it up in the mix that's why we've got dynamics and soft and loud and so mixing is literally that mixing the sound okay so that's what and um, it's it's an art form and so is my, in, everything is an art form in in mm. recording really mm. um so that's what mixing is mixing is so and then if i've got a backing vocal for example if you might want one harmony this is not visual it's, it's so you might want to uh, when you're listening to music it, it you may visual. oh it's visual and it's not visual. Okay, so yeah. um, you might have you might want one vocal coming from the back left, and yeah. you want the other vo- the other harmony coming from the top right. So you can do that with headphones. You can do that with speakers, and that's what all mixing in. They tw- do all these knob turning ah. so that sounds are coming from the different uh, uh, panning. Yeah, yeah. All that type of stuff. So you've got all these different sounds coming from different places, but you also want everything, like you want something to be heard at the right place. So if I'm singing, but you really want to hear a guitar lick, then you turn the, the guitar lick up and you turn my voice down. Okay. That type of thing. So you're just getting the levels right. Mastering is when you are, so it's all done mixing, recording, everything's done. Mastering is the final process that you do, and it's when they make it sound good so that it pops on radio or now that it pops on your. Those little beady headphones that you pop into your ears, or whatever it is that you're listening to, or you or they master it for, um, you know, for your gorgeous Samsung soundbar, whatever it is. So it's mastered to sound good and and full, properly and f- nice and full, really. Yeah, so, yeah. And again, it doesn't sound like much, but it is a art form. So when you if you heard something just mixed and not mastered, you can tell the difference. Hence why they re-release records remastered, and it's all very exciting for yeah. people that like bought a record 20 30 years ago if it's remastered people want to rebuy it because it's it's going to work now for the modern set the modern speakers that we oh, have yeah, no, that type of thing because so uh, uh, i i'm i am very interested in sound because i firstly i do a podcast not for any commercial gain i don't get paid anything for this i paid thousands of quid for the cameras and whatever else so i do it for the joy of doing it and when i so therefore when i listen to a podcast Half of it is for the content, but half of it is how it's actually made. And obviously now a lot of podcasts are done via Zoom, which is better than nothing. But there's the sound, you can't replace it. I mean, I find that when you're walking, listen to podcasts, you got your headphones on. It's so intimate. You're right in someone's ear that the quality of the of the audio is so, so important. And I, I, I could maybe make, make it even better, but... Um, I just, I kind of, this is like my, a hobby for me. And mm-hmm. for example, I haven't seen you for ages. And when you do a podcast, it's like an excuse, another yeah, excuse to meet as well, yeah. you know, because so often as well now, I find that you just get tied up in your day to day and you, you, you're too busy to meet people. Um, so this is a, a nice way to do it. Another question. Um, why, why one ear off? So I can hear what my voice sounds like ah. without it on. Because if I put these on. That's only what, yes, see, I can hear the difference already. Yeah, yeah. So I can hear it. Why don't you try it? You can actually, that's, how, that's what, so you can hear what you normally sound like when, when you, you and I were just oh, talking, yeah. <laughs> you and I were just talking to each other normally, that's what I could hear. Ah, so okay, remember yes. we, I told you about how I don't like I'm the way that I sound it. when we talk, mm. when I talk. So this way, I'm not hearing what you guys are hearing. Yeah. Um, it's because you need to be able to hear what's out here as well. Well, actually on that, um, why, if you don't mind asking, why do you not like the way you sound? No swearing. Try not to swear. 
Um, my voice sounds effeminate to me. <laughs> but I do want to use the F word, you guys, but I'm not. Go on. Another F word. Faggy. Faggy. Yeah. So you're saying like uh, effeminate kind of fe- yeah. feminine. Yeah. Um, but why is that? Okay. And it's almost, and I hope you don't mind me saying, um, but uh, there's like, we, we chat quite a lot on, on mm-hmm. WhatsApp. Yes. And yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love the gifts, man. <laughs> uh, but, um, and one, I, I call people mate a lot. And you made a point of saying, uh, and in Australia, people <laughs> Please say, don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't call you mate. Yes. Um, w- why is that? Okay. So. I suppose the issue, and so I'm, I'm, I'm like, even this thing with my voice, like I'll speak to my therapist about it because I did, um, is that, well, I've, he reckons I've got internalized homophobia. If I do. <laughs> he reckons Hallelujah. He thinks, well, well, obviously, like a lot of, a lot of us have grown up with a lot of shame for being gay. Yeah. Or a member of the LGBTQIA uh, community, right? So we've all, we, I've grown, I grew up with a hell lot of bullying. So, and those, the people that were calling me names are also the types that would say g'day mate and that type of thing so i've i just shiver when i hear the word because it's this straight sporty type that would use the terminology mate now i know you don't use it like that and you don't you don't even know you didn't even know why i have an issue with it but it's um i it's it's the type of person would beat me up and bash me would call would use the word mate Mm. do you know what i mean so that's why i haven't and then so this is all stuff that i'm still working through but my voice my speaking voice anyway um, I have an issue when I hear it back. Um, it sounds very girly and effeminate to me. Now I don't know if that sounds if it sounds like that to you or anybody else, but it does to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's the bullying at school which I went through is horrific. So um, it still and it still affects me today. Like when I came and spoke to you, f- 2016, I think you started at that yoga place. Um, you were like the first <laughs> at that place. <laughs> Um, you're, see, you're a pro And you didn't you're even tell pro. me You're a pro Sis <laughs> When, go, I, when I met then. you at that place You were like the first straight person Straight man That I've actually spoken to Like because I just stay away from you I'm just <laughs> I'm just actually Scared of you people <laughs> what, As a breed Why What did you, uh, Without sounding narcissistic What did you make of me When you met me Well I'd, I'd been to your class A couple of times already So I was like Okay cool I can handle him as in, he's not going to beat me up or he's not going to make fun of me or, or or say anything nasty to me. Well, clearly he's not because he's a yoga instructor. So um, it'd be very off-brand if you were. <laughs> Having said that, when I went to that place, can I, this is very off-topic, but because when we went, it was very exciting because I'd waited for a good yoga place to go to. And coming from Australia, we've got the... Yeah, we do have really good facilities, which meant we had very good yoga instructors and people take it... Whatever, if it's got to do with fitness and that, we take it very, very seriously. Um, and there's a lot more, um, and I hope I don't offend anybody. It's not you because I know you're not, but a lot of people, there's a lot more credentials that you need to do in order to in order to instruct people in the first place, which when I first came here, you didn't have to go through so much rigmarole, but you did have to, because I, I was a member of a fitness industry yeah. as well back home, yeah, so yeah. I know, and a lot, of your, a lot of your money goes into accreditation and insurance and all this type of stuff. So, um, and, and you get paid well for it, where you could make a really fabulous living for it. And I did try and make a living here doing it, and you weren't, get, and I wasn't getting paid very well. Hence, why I stopped doing it. Um, you're, you're talking about Zumba now, Zumba not, Fitness you're not LLC. Talking, you're, you're talking about yoga at all? No, no, I'm Just talking about Zumba clarify. Fitness. Yeah yeah, 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 Zumba Fitness. So, but um, I was so excited to come to that studio because at least 
it was attracting a certain type of instructor who actually cared and it was a very good so it was really cool time so we did this um class and some guy came in and i was freezing i've just come from australia and i'm freezing so i'm wearing a jumper and he and he shamed me for wearing a jumper in class what where it, it, in the studio yeah, nearby yes and he made fun of me and i felt like i felt horrible and my husband was with me and i was he like jumper shamed you yes He's like, he was like, do you think you're in Antarctica? Woo. And he, was, he wasn't from Ireland. He was, I think he was German or something, or he was uh, uh, Nordic, <laughs> whatever it was. Nordic? Yeah. They're normally nice. <laughs> this guy wasn't. And it was really, and it I just, really, I don't know what and I'm it based really, on. really upset me. It really upset me because yeah. I can't deal with it's people. Like, he kind of embarrassed you. In a room full of people. Like it wasn't just like a six or seven person class. It was, I don't know what the capacity was of that room, but it was packed. Yeah, and it was re- and it was a Sunday morning, and you know how hard it is to get into a class on a Sunday morning. It was packed, and it was so it was just sort of anyway. So yes, I have been attacked in a yoga class, but then I saw you, and I, and I had been to your class a couple of times before. I did come and talk to you <laughs> with the raised eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was raised eyebrows yes. for a while. It, it is it is odd though, um, being a male adult and interacting with another male adult because. Uh, it's kind of harder to make friends than it is when you're kids, uh, generally speaking. Uh, It's for me anyway. And uh, sometimes you don't, especially now because, you know, I have Rachel, the baby, and uh, I have the football team that I play football with. But there it's a bit like, um, with the football team, they're a great bunch of lads. But you kind of keep the conversation on a certain about certain things. You don't you don't go very deep or very very sensitive, uh, just because it would make people feel quite uncomfortable in that in that dynamic. Uh, but I, what I did what I did found with teaching yoga and what I really miss now actually is the bits after class where because uh, before class I can't talk to anyone. I'm too nervous. I'm too like. Uh, anxious that I'm going to forget something or say the wrong thing or stand in the wrong place, or whatever. But then after I feel a relief, so I, I, I can chat, and that's how I got chatting to you. But then when we when we started to get to know each other, um, I really look forward then to seeing you. And then you came to our retreat, and myself and Lisa, we did a retreat. And what I noticed when you you came to the retreat is how quiet you were. <laughs> you know? I was looking at you on Instagram. What's happening? I know because I was looking at because Rach is saying Rach is the same. Like when we first met you, and then we looked at the Instagram, we're like, wow, this guy's so flamboyant and uh, and uh, it's so creative and colourful and stuff. And we, and we love all that. And we said to, we said to you like, we'd love to do like Zumba with you online if you're up for it. But anyway, it's another thing. But then on the retreat, you were initially. You kind of you you retreated. What? Why? I don't like being around people. I'm scared of people generally. I've got a fear of people generally speaking. Um, and this all goes back to, to what I was mentioning before. The bullying at school really, really screwed with me. Um, if and because people would only befriend me to then be nasty to me afterwards, to use information to to then make fun of me afterwards. So I have issues uh, making connections with people now. Um, and so that's why, so now, yeah, so, and then, and that's, I've taken that on into adulthood where I, I just, it, it, it'll, I could, I am very all or nothing. I'm very black and white in life. And I have to not be like that because I'll either be your mate and I'll really be your mate, but I'm very loyal or I will absolutely detest you and I have nothing to do with you. And I won't even talk to you or look at you. So there's, there's two Leons. So, um, <laughs> so what you got was me freaking out because so many people and then, there was only one other lad, wasn't there? And I was freaking mm-hmm. out about that because I knew there was another boy going to be there. And I was like, oh, Jesus, and I'm sleeping with him. Who was the other? 
Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sleep with, yes. When you say sleep with him. Yes. In the same room. A homosexual. And that freaked me out because I thought, oh, dear, you know, who's going to be the supreme? So, <laughs> um, yeah, that is a point. You were sharing a room with another man. Uh, number one. Yeah. And you, you number one. And number two, you detest people. <laughs> no, oh, number, but number two, two was he was gay. So that oh, freaked me okay, out as yeah, well. Yeah, that yeah. was my one and two. But yeah, but now three actually. But um, yeah. yeah, no, it just really scared me i was so scared and, and i it, couldn't drink and hide any of that that we haven't even spoke about that no. <laughs> that's water you're drinking mm-hmm. not vodka um no. you are to the t-shirt yes sober babe we love a rebranding <laughs> hallelujah so, sober babe so how long have you been sober for tomorrow it'll be 13 months congratulations so and that'll and then funnily enough it was all triggered off by the retreat last year in in late first week of september it was september 6th it was my dad's birthday it was okay. it was around then i remember that um because then the 8th was the last day that's a lie sorry what? it was the 13th of september because, yes it was around that time because the week bef- the weekend before was my last drink because i because i didn't drink during the week um and yes yeah, so that's so so the, so the yoga retreat was the first weekend in about seven years that i hadn't had a drink mm. so that's what triggered everything that's happened now which really? is yeah what do you mean uh, so, huh, but, but you had stopped drinking before um you went to the retreat the last weekend the weekend before the retreat was yeah. a, was the weekend the last like that the last week- weekend you stopped uh, yeah. Of, of, of drinking yeah, because i obviously couldn't drink at the retreat because it said on the the email that you guys sent out there'll be no alcohol it's an alcohol free retreat and i was like okay like that's when i was like like i read it and it was like okay but then when i actually had to do it it was like oh, Jesus, you can't actually drink at this. It's like, well, why would you go to a yoga retreat and think you could drink? Like, I don't know what I was thinking. Do you know what I mean? But, um, so so you, so just before the retreat started, essentially, you, 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 it was only then you actually stopped drinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, exactly. so the, but the yoga retreat was the real reason which actually stopped me from having the drink that weekend. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because, and obviously, I couldn't start drinking if nobody else was as well. Anyway, if I was going to whip a little flask out or anything so um but there were drinks there in the fridge i remember seeing them yeah but but it was cool like we were there it was like okay it's fine we can do this nobody else is doing it what did you so your experience then of the retreat that as you said if maybe if you weren't in the retreat you would have drank that weekend but you didn't so what was that experience like then so being in that kind of environment without alcohol it was it was fine, actually, because, again, yo- I know that you've done your beer yoga things, but generally speaking, yoga and alcohol and, and mindfulness and wellness and alcohol don't mix or any mind-altering substance don't mix. So it didn't make sense that you'd be drinking it that anyway, really. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe if maybe around the hot tubs, which I went nowhere near, um, <laughs> um, people might be have you know, in normal circumstances, people might be having a drink with that. But, uh, um, but it kind of felt normal anyway. But it was the first weekend in years that i had to stop Mm. and 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 then and then so the thing about it was it was fine when we're doing group activities because you don't have to talk to anybody or interact with anybody you just do your thing um and you just follow but then when we were left to do to our own devices that's when it kind of that's when i was like oh that's when i started to freak out Mm. that's a part so to be honest i didn't enjoy the retreat at all not got nothing to do with you (laughs) or rachel it was because it was very uncomfortable for me and and knowing that you this is the thing. I'm, I was obsessed with it. So um, there's levels of alcoholism, and it's this was just an obsession in my mind. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of like, well, when can I have it? 
Mm. We'll now have to wait till, oh, I've got week, I've got work this week, so you can't drink during week, uh, weeknights, so I'm going to have to wait till Friday. So I could think that was next, the Friday after the retreat, do you know what I mean? Yeah. When, I could, when it was okay to have a drink. Um, so, yeah. So, um, so let's say um, being at the retreat and not, not drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, like I, I, I have experienced alcoholism in my life, uh, friends, family, uh, this type of thing. And I think that there's many different reasons why people drink alcohol. Uh, and I mainly, maybe there's two, if you kind of, I, you'd know better than I would, but I think half of it is, uh, for fun, maybe, mm-hmm. and then the other half is trying to like cover up something or trying to numb maybe something. What? What? Firstly, why did you choose alcohol? When did you start drinking? And what was your alcoholism like? Yeah. Well, I think the two things you just said. It started off being fun, but then it starts off not being fun. It becomes a necessity, and it becomes an obsession, a dangerous one. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I started drinking when I was fourteen. Um, maybe even 13, I was hanging out with older people. Um, like, and when I say older, well, if I'm a teenager, I was hanging out with like 26 year olds who are like 13 years older than me. It's all a bit scandalous. Like if you think about it and I was, um, and so I just drink just to fit in with them, with these, these gay guys. Um, so looking back now, that's all a bit outrageous as well, especially now, like looking back, I should not have been a 13, 14 year old should not be off with older men. Um, who were giving you drink to do things. Woo! So, um, and then it was always, oh, you don't look Indian. You look like, you, you. it's like you've got Western features, you know. And so, so it was also this level, now looking back again, I used to take that as a compliment and now I see it, it's, it was blatant racism. It's like, oh, you're okay because you've got like a Western nose and West, what did I used to say? My jawline was very Western. And like, I'd be like, what? yes, I almost, I almost pass as white, you know. So, um, so it was like, but that was, yeah, so I started. You were being groomed, yeah, <laughs> kind of, I suppose. Um, but but, but, I was, drink, but I was happily so. going ahead along with it. And then back then, then fifteen, sixteen, um, like the legal limits eighteen, like same here as in Ireland. Yeah. Um, fifteen, sixteen, I was going, in, I was getting into the gay bars. How I don't know, I don't know. There were security guards. They let me in. Mm. I like I used to push my jaw forward to try and look a bit more older. But there's only so much like you can, you know. There's, Oh yeah, that works. So you look a bit older and a bit more <laughs> frown and furrow your brow. Yeah, I'd be wearing like outrageous clothing then as well. So it wasn't. I don't know how the face matched with the body, but um, but yeah. So I used to get in, and then so once you got in, I used to go into the back doors. Like it was fabulous. I don't know what it's like now. I don't think it's as easy now. I'd imagine, but I don't know. Mm. Um, but we used to, I used to get into all the gay bars in Sydney, and um, this is this is like two thousand. This is like twenty years ago. Mm. Um, yes. So it was fun then. Yeah. It was fabulous. Yeah, like, I remember. It's actually funny because Kylie's light years record of spinning around came out. And Classic. Madonna's There's golden hot pants. Is that the one? Yes, that's the record, which kind of was her pop comeback because before that she was doing alternative mm. indie dance music, right? So it was very exciting. It was the Sydney Olympics and we got two extra weeks off school. So the year 2000 was like my summer of summer of love. You know, it was very exciting. But it was also, um, you know, and Madonna released a new record, which was the music record. So all of this was very exciting time oh, yeah. for me. And... Um, and we were going to the clubs and dancing and, and everybody was happy in Sydney because we had the Olympics and we had to be extra nice to people because there was tourists everywhere, more tourists than usual. So we even, like, I remember the government saying, be nice to everybody, be polite to everybody because there's a lot of tourists here. So everybody was in a really cool festival mood and yeah. it was fabulous and we had a lot more outdoor events, music happening and stuff, more than usual. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. So it started off really fabulously and then 
it was fine because I was like in the last two years of high school, so it was cool. And that's just what you did on the weekends. I could have go to house parties. It didn't really turn nasty until, um, like, I met my husband Colin in London. It, the drinking got like it, when I finished school. I went to I went into performing arts. Uh, what did I do? Sorry, it was a, a diploma in performing arts, performance, whatever, some fuddy-duddy thing. It's just a money-making racket. Like, anyway, um, so I did that, and the, the drinking got outrageous around then, so like 2004. It so a couple of years later, it got more outrageous, and then and it just became, became a part of who I was and a part of my persona and a part of my identity, and then people would expect the crazy drunkard Leon, um, although I wouldn't say drunk, but that's what it was, because that's, that's when we'd go out, we'd always be drinking and having pre-drinks and all that type of stuff. And so it just kind of became a part of my persona. And a whole identity is built up on this, as well as the mess of me being groomed, properly groomed as a pop star. So um, everybody around me was treating me as a pop artist. Um, my dance teachers, singing teachers, um, people in the industry started to treat me like one, friends, family, everybody. So my whole identity was built up on me being this fabulous character that was about to be a star. And I was going to show everyone at school, you know, you may have called me all this mm. stuff. I was going to show them all. You know, that's it. You could have done whatever you want to me. I mean, I just wanted just to make it. These guys, this um, school, it was a rugby school. It was an Edmund Rice Irish school. And it was an all-boys school. They lit my locker on fire. They spray-painted my name Pinto as a faggot. Places. Like, imagine lighting. Like, I say it. Like, I always do say it, but I never stop and pause and think. Someone lit my locker on fire. They The, the teachers had to keep me in the principal's office because there was a threat that they were going to pour tar on me. Like, if you think about it, it's fucking scandalous. Whoops. Um, no, it it's is, cool, it's such a scandal. Like, what's going on? Um, so, tar, tar could actually burn me and kill me. When you think, so, yes, this was only a rumor going around, but it was a rumor strong enough that the teachers had to keep me in the principal's office. But the teachers couldn't do anything about it because it's a Catholic school and homosexuality is a sin. So, I'm very sorry, Leon. We're sorry all this shit's happening to you, but we can't. Um, you, you know, we can't not not condone this. Is that right? Whatever you get the meaning of yeah. <laughs> condone always freaks me out, uh, confuses me, the word. But we can't tell them to stop because we kind of, that's the ethos of the school and what our teaching is. So, mm. so instead, so it was a hot, hot mess. And so, of course, I dislike people now. Of course, I'm scared of people. Of course, I'm going to think people are tr trying to get out to get me now so i'm trying to get over this and i can't let my trauma define me because that's it no how old am i now 36 this is 20 years ago 25 years ago i need to get over it i'm very much aware of this but i just can't mm. um it's amazing and very <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> it's amazing and very and very sad how these things can really stick with you um i remember when i was young i used to i was a real social butterfly so I had a mate and he was um, very effeminate. And at the time, I didn't care if people thought I was gay. But what I did care about was being ostracized, about the, the, the lads not wanting me in their group because they thought I, they didn't understand, understand like, why are you mates with him? You know, whereas I, I think uh, I would just be mates with people because I found him interesting. You know, uh, I, I, like I didn't have a, uh, I was mates with the geeks and the, the jocks and whatever. But but ultimately, I think being ostracized and being made to feel like you're, you're, you're uh, different, you end up being part of a team. And then you kind of see things going on and you don't stop it, uh, but you kind of, you know, it's wrong. You know, you see people being uh, bullied, or whatever, but you don't stick up for the person being bullied. Mm -hmm. And... 
and I think like being an, a bystander is not not good enough. I look back now and I think like uh, I I've seen I seen some things as a kid that I could have, um, I could have said something, but I didn't. You know, uh, and I think it's actually the teachers can't really do much because when they put you in that the office and yeah. kind of protected you. I wondered, did that help you or did it hinder you? I mean, maybe you needed someone, I don't know, because maybe a therapist has, knows, has talked to you about this, but did you need someone at your age who could have put their arm around you uh, and kind of been that person to, um, that intermediary between the, these kids and you? Does, does that make sense, that question? So, well, so I did have friends like you, but then they were getting bullied as well because just by associations. They were being called a faggot and poofed and all this type of stuff by association so it was it, and you can't so that's not fair to, for them to uh, bear the burden as well do you know what i mean mm. um but this is where my obsession with pop comes in so the people that looked after me as madonna and kylie and janet jackson and mariah and the spice girls they are the ones that looked after me and got me through those years and that's why i'm still fiercely loyal to them because they got me through like when i graduated a teacher came up to me and gave me a letter and said, oh, we're surprised you made it through. And I said, sorry. She goes, we, well, we didn't think you were going to make it through. As in, they thought I was going to kill myself. Wow. Like, and they, but, and I'm just thinking to myself, you're saying this to me on the last day of school. Did you not think you could have done something in a, like, in some way to stop it or protect me or help me or just come and speak to me and do something about it? You know, I was the only brown kid in my grade. I wasn't hard to miss, you know. They all knew about it. Clearly, they all knew about it. I mean, even before the formal or what do you guys call it, Debs here or whatever, mm. they, like the principal took me aside. This is like it's it's, just, it's ridiculous. There's a rumor going around that you're coming to the to the formal in a dress, a purple dress. It's like looking back. Like Leon of today probably wishes he did. I really wish I did, but I didn't. I, I'm not that. I'm, I'm not. I, I didn't have the confidence back then. Um, but imagine like this is imagine having a school like a brother coming up to you and saying that to you like it was just ridiculous like these ridic so they were very much aware of what was going on and did nothing about it nothing about it so um, if you were, Leon if you were a father and your kids were going to school and your kid came home and said to you something similar was happening mm -hmm. what do you think is an approach that could be taken to to minimize that or to or or maybe even from a grander scale how can we minimize uh, bullying happening. You know, I think it's very. I think they've. The mo it was so annoying because the moment I left, I think a lot of policies were put into place about bullying. There's zero tolerancy stuff. That stuff wasn't there. There was no zero tolerance rule and or policy, and um, there is one now. And there is and they, and and there is a lot more conversation about bullying going on. You hear about it all the time, but for me, it was just a couple of years too late. Um, mm. So I think they've. I don't know. I, I've got nothing to do with little people anymore or teenagers. I've got nothing to do with. I don't have them in my life, so I don't know what it's like. Um, um, but I think it's a lot harder now because it's gone off the playground and onto the internet. And that's a different kettle of fish, which I feel very sorry for them because how could, how do you even deal with bullying online when there's no, when you can't really point the finger or, you know, people are doing it behind closed doors. That's scary. That's mm -hmm. really, really scary. So at least my, not at least, but I, my threat, I was visible and I could see it and I could hide from it and I could run from it, physically run from it and hide from it. Um, but now... Oh my god! I don't know how these kids are doing it. Yeah, when once the or even adults who are getting bullied as well. <laughs> once the school bell rings, you go home. I remember a few like I I was never bullied, but I remember someone would say to me, "I'm going to get you after school," and a whole day I'd be thinking, "What can I do to get out of this?" 
uh, can I like leave early or because I wasn't tough uh, and uh, and then I would try and or like my dad would come pick me up or something but then you but then once you're home you're kind of oh yes now I don't have to deal I can wait for tomorrow but if that bullying is in your pocket <laughs> and every time you t- I mean confession I'm addicted to my phone 100% I'm addicted to my phone if I so I don't know what chance the kids are going to stand kids are going to stand and as you said and, and the bullying um and I realized I sidetracked you a little bit here um so with this all of this what we're talking about here this bullying these this uh the terrible terrible experience about the tar and people lighting your uh locker on fire you started drinking because it was fun right yeah Great times out with the lads, uh, the older gentlemen, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, you know you had a, a great time. But then, why? Wh- how did it spiral into? So I think what happened next was, was was that this whole pop star thing was in my head, and I was obsessed with this idea. But it wasn't only my fault. I wasn't delusional. People were all feeding into this delusion. I wouldn't call it a delusion. It was it well it was very real. You've heard it. It's not fake. It is that a real. Great. Re- it is a real record. It was there, and it's very good. Um, thank you. It's like it's like uh, justified a bit. Yeah, really kind of has that. Yes. Yeah. We don't so, like him though because he ruined Janet Jackson's career single-handedly. Let's do another podcast by on the thing that yes, because he took no. Um, well, he didn't get in trouble for it. You know, as a white straight male, he got in trouble, and then Janet got blacklisted from the Grammys and MTV and every radio. Um, in America, so Janet's career stopped in 2004, and she hasn't, and she's never recovered. Whereas, Re- ju- yeah, Wait, whereas, really, yes. Whereas Justin Timberlake, a white male, got away with it, and got invited to the Grammy Awards that year. So, firstly, though, it was choreographed, wasn't it? Like he, she knew it was going to happen. Yeah, but the breast, the showing of the nipple apparently wasn't supposed to happen. She did have a little lacy. Oh, thing. was it a nipple? Did you see a nipple? She had a little lacy number. Can you say on. nipple on TV? Uh, oh, that's I've not TV, but <laughs> but she, she, so she, he pulled her thing over. The corset off. Corset. It was like but one. Then, one... The, then too much came off, oh. and the nipple was revealed. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. What she doesn't get credit for is that she's the reason why YouTube took off. No, so, I think Jan Jackson's fair. Um, as well as many other things. <laughs> I don't know what you got to this gone. Great song. But um. But um. So so he ripped her, her thing off, and you could see her nipple. Yes. And then she. For what a happened, second. What happened to her second. after that? They blacklisted her, and I'm using the word black on purpose as well. They did blacklist her. So she was she was cancelled from the Grammys. She was taken like well. What we call cancelled today, she was cancelled. So much so they didn't play her songs on the radio. There was nothing. So she, she's not, she's not like uh, she apologised. No one wanted to hear it. You know, there's a, there is a, a bit of a conspiracy theory saying the American government wanted to, you know, um, put they were about to go into war in Iraq and they wanted to, you know, focus on this black woman's nipple instead of actually focusing on what was actually going on. And they do it all the time. Like it's it's looking back in retrospect, all the all. These all these music journalism uh, magazines, all this top stuff, uh, on they now agree. Yes, this is actually what happened. This is a fact. This is not Leon being to distract a, the public from the yeah, war. Yeah, they did use Janet's nipple as an excuse. It was on telly for not even a second, and yet they slowed it down and kept showing it all the way around. Europe didn't care. Mm. Uh, Asia and Australia didn't care. Only America did because they've got a different culture to us, to yeah. bodies and all this type of thing. But it single-handedly ruined the woman's career. They've they've got a different culture to bodies. Did you say? Yeah. How do you mean? Well, why is it that in Europe, like a in Europe, they've got a more open, uh, open culture to bodies. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not Breasts nudism, and... but bodies and like you know. Whereas in America, they're, they're, they're a bit more prudish about the whole thing. Yeah, especially like mainland Europe, uh, people will sunbathe topless and yeah, naked and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I, I never, I never realised that about about Janet Jackson. I know it it sounds um, sounds daft, but you 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 don't realise sometimes how much the media are trying to 
uh, channel your concentration. Um, but yeah, go so on, yeah, Neil, so go they, on. these women, <laughs> bit of a these divas, and only a select few, but are very important. They they say, and it just so happened that at that time, these all these people released, except for Spice Girls, the other artists I mentioned released very um, introspective, um, new age spiritual records at the time. You know, Ray of Light by Madonna, The Velvet Rope by Janet, Mariah had Butterfly, and she's always been very introspective anyway. So I had these, I related to these women and their music and their strength. Um, and they got me through school. So when you're talking about someone that's buffering um, me, we've always bullying and all this type of stuff. They're the ones that took after look up, look after me. I couldn't go home and tell my parents because I told them they'd be like, "Well, what are they saying?" Then I'd have to come out. A child shouldn't have to have an, a child shouldn't be forced to come out. No one should be forced to come out until they're ready. Clearly, it was shining out of me, but that's that's up to me to be ready to say it. You know. Um, so my parents had um, some news agencies, which you call off newsstands and off and then we had liquor stores which you call mm. off like we have them separate over there news agencies and liquor stores are separate that was their business yeah so we had a okay. few businesses they yeah. come into the shop and say and and and, and you know say and, and scream out uh homosexual slurs at them and mum and dad would have no idea what was going on like about your son wow your Pe- son's a faggot your son's a cop people come in and he's running kids from school shops. yeah Whoa. it was really bad Shit. they poured paint thinner on my dad's murk and my poor father coming from the hideous background that he came not hideous sorry humble background that he came <laughs> from um all he ever wanted was a murk his whole life and my god did he work hard for it and he got it and these dickheads poured paint thinner on it like you, and this by the way this isn't like a, a rough area sydney we come from a, a semi well-to-do area and the school was private um private school means private in australia by the way you have to pay for it Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So different from so you went, that or, you're talking about. So the school you went to was a well, private school. Yes. Private school. Okay, yeah, yeah, we call it public in England. But yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Makes so, it, yeah, sorry, so um, it, so you'd think that these people would know better, or would be brought up, you know, with a certain level of respect. Clearly not. Um, I don't know. Did it did it upset them that the coloured people were doing well? I don't know. Mm. But that's where it's li- that's where it kind of lends itself to. And this is only you know the '90s and early 2000s, so it's really not that long ago. So why then did you? Start so you found th- these role models, mm-hmm. right? and and I know all kids definitely need role models. Yeah, and everything's going well. You recorded that um, that EP, and this and the, how, why did it? What was the reason why you started to abuse it? Yes. Okay. So then, um, sorry, keep going off. No, that's off good. That. I, I like so, I like tangents. So then we um, it was ready to go. We filmed a video for one of the tracks called Sextronica. And um, <laughs> and um, and it was ready to go, and we were going to London to go and test this out. We're going to go do so. What we were going to do gigs around the sticks, and then move our way into London. So we're going to build a following in the sticks, so out away from the cities, mm-hmm. and then and then come with a following, and and then launch in London. Like so, that was the whole idea of it. Um, but then the crash of two thousand and eight happened, and the record label in Australia crashed, and that was the end of that. Mm-hmm. And I was stuck in London. And then that's when things get crazy. So um, instead of picking myself up and trying again, I just I, I just couldn't. I'd, and and I was so horrified by the whole thing because my whole identity and everything about me was built up on being. I was gonna in my head I was gonna be a huge pop star and I was gonna I hadn't made it to the Grammys and I hadn't made it to the Australia. We have the Ari Awards, which are like the Brit Awards, and I was gonna I didn't make it to the stage to tell them all, you know, I've made it, you know, and you can't touch me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted validation. I wanted to be seen. Um, and so, and that's when it went nuts and I lost myself in the London gay club scene. Um, yes. Mm. So that's so that's where, and that was t- 2008. Um, I 
Look, I, I I didn't get a I didn't become a star, but look at the end of the day, it's like being it's like lightning being struck. It doesn't happen to anybody. Even if it did go ahead, if the record was released, it doesn't mean it's going to be a hit. It doesn't mean you're going to be a star. You know, not everyone becomes a star. I mean, there's I imagine there's hundreds or thousands of songs being released a week or artists being launched a week. Not, you only hear about one a year. You know, mm. so it's it's so. But this is all this is this is me saying this twenty years, well, uh, fifteen, ten years later. But at the time, I didn't see it like that. So. Um, so, but look, I got a husband out of it, so that's nice. A nice <laughs> Irish boy of it. And I was obsessed with Stephen Gately from Boyzone as a child. Yeah. So I find I kind of got my own, <laughs> my own pocket, my own pocket Stephen Gately and I took him home. <laughs> what, what, um, serious question. What was your lowest point? So when I realised there was an issue was in 2016. So, you know, I love my pop stars. And so now... Okay, so we've let go of the pop career. It's gone. Fine. So then I, when I came to Dublin, I got a job, a full-time... So, sorry, so, so just just to tie everything in. So then Colin, my husband, kind of said, well, this isn't working. Why don't you, I know you've got an interest in psychology. Why don't you go and study? So I went into developmental psych. Um, oh, did you? Yes. And then, and then I was doing the, the honours, I was doing trials, and I just freaked out and ran away. So I didn't finish. So I, so I do have just the Bachelor of Arts and Science. I didn't finish the doctorate of it. I just ran mm. away. So, because um, that's what I do, I run away. What, what, sorry, Leon, what is developmental psychology? Children, little people. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, sorry, Leon, um, I know you say you don't uh, have many little people in your life. Yeah. But would you like to be a parent? Telling you today... Yeah. At this stage, no, because I'm too used to my life now, and I'm used to the the level of fabulousness and glamour, and you know what mm. we do. We we be um. It's going to be very hard to to stop going to my VIP front row <laughs> Kylie tickets, and it's going to be very hard not to go to Nice whenever I want it, and it's going to be very hard to just stop all of that. It also means money wise, I can't be doing my little mediocre job. Now, I love my mediocre, uh, mediocre job. I revel in it, in my mediocrity. I think it's amazing because it allows me to do other things that I want to do. But in order to be, um, if I wanted a child, things would have to change, big changes, and not today. I, I want to touch on that. You said, because you did a great uh, shout out to another podcast, actually, it's Sober Heroes, right? Mm-hmm. You did a great uh, episode of them, which was just really good. Um, but one of the things you said about it was about your work and how um, you don't define yourself by your job. You um, you revel in mediocrity. Fa- <laughs> Say it. But, the, but okay, <laughs> but maybe maybe so that you can be exceptional outside of it and in and how you go about your life and i think that's actually a really interesting concept that i've actually never heard anyone say that before because it's real popular now to be like you can do whatever you want to do and uh, you can be whatever you want to be and um every day you know um it's kind of what's the word i'm looking for um create your own job and this happen the other but maybe you can't be what you want to be <laughs> maybe uh not everything is actually possible and maybe that's a more healthy way to to, an angle to tell people and say you could actually do a job where you do it nine to five you do it well you 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 like it but you're not defined by it Mm -hmm. and you can actually have a fantastic life outside those hours um whereas now because we're at home so much as we were saying downstairs before we start recording and you uh you can always be working always be chipping away it becomes your life and then you do nothing else outside outside of it mm-hmm. which i think is a tragedy uh, and i've i've have become that way myself because i think 
instead of doing this thing now, whether it's like going to see steps or whatever, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I, um, I could spend that few hours uh, building upon what I'm doing now because I'm so afraid that uh, I won't either won't be needed. That's the, my main fear is that people won't need me. I said to Rach today, maybe because it's Wednesday and it's kind of grey out. I was like, what's the point in my job, well, my life? Like, what do I really add to people? And Rach had to give me a pep talk. She does this sometimes. Gives me a pep talk. She's good at pep talking. Um, I'm not saying I'm depressed, but I have moments where I've put everything into my profession uh, and I want to be really good at it. And when I lose followers on Instagram or when people don't, not many people sign up for a workshop of mine or something, I, I question my existence, <laughs> not just my job. I actually think like, what's the point in me? Because sorry, but you do a different type of job where it, it is in, intertwined though. Whereas I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You are a yoga instructor, but that is your that is a part of your life. It's part true. of your being. It's it's in your in your veins, kind of something. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not a clerical officer. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm not gonna. You know, you you have the power to change people's lives. You have the power to, to make their lives better. You have done that. Um, a clerical officer is not gonna do that. I'm mm. not gonna. So that's got no. This this is just some. I I do my job so that I can. Go to steps and meet steps. I do that so I can go to Kylie, Madonna, and Janet concerts. Um, do my silks and my vertical dance, and come to yoga retreats and yoga classes, uh, and and start, try all these newfangled fitness classes and stuff. That's my passion. I enjoy doing that. I also like um, being photographed by my husband and then editing them as much as possible to make it look like a fantasy. I enjoy doing that. I love color. So that's that's what I spend a lot of time doing. Is that, um, and that's my creative outlet mm. um, to get that out. But um, but I understand why you feel the way you do because your your job and your life are intertwined, mm. whereas mine are not. I, I, I don't think you could separate your job and your because it's it is a it's a hobby passion as well as what you do for work. I don't yeah, I don't know if you true. do yoga for for fun anymore or f not fun but for spiritual enlightenment or for relaxation or meditation or whatever it is. Mm. But I imagine that's how it started off as. Yeah. It's become a business now. I imagine it is a business now. Um, but but that it started off as a hobby. Mm. Do you know what I mean? doing yeah. clerical work and admin is not a hobby yeah that, that's a good point actually it is it is because if i say say the government gave universal basic income universal basic income sorry and uh uh everyone got paid the same no matter what i'd still be doing what i'm doing now because i really love doing it yeah. like i you know even rach after she had the after she gave birth to eve i was talking to her about you know, she was asking about how do has she get strong and all this kind of stuff again and breathing techniques, all this kind of jazz. Mm -hmm. So I just I do love it. You're right. Um, sorry, I went I, I was kind of sidetracked there a little bit. So talking about um, your your lowest point, as you said. Yes. Sorry. So I sidetracked you there. Yes. So <laughs> what I do, what we so I I love my pop stars and I follow them around Europe and all of my hour money goes into following these artists around now. Um, it gets me a lot. It brings me a lot of joy, and I get really excited, and it gives me a buzz. Now, so Kylie, we actually even when we moved to Ireland, we did we based it around Kylie's tour. Like, so we, <laughs> wow. my sister got married, and we flew over. To, so we're here in Dublin for the Kylie Kiss Me Once tour, and then I wanted to go. I wanted to follow her to somewhere in Scandinavia, so I did follow it in Belfast. So I did like this is what I this is what I had planned because in Australia acts don't come, and when they do come, it's very exciting, it's very expensive, and in Europe you can there's a there's a pop star here every week yeah. before you know, um, and so I'm still on that pink cloud. I'm still excited by the fact that all these artists are coming to Europe and they're just a, a an hour or two hour flight away, which is only 10, 10 20, 25 euros. In Australia, you live in Sydney, that's it, you don't leave. 
you know, to go overseas is a big deal. And that's why when you get Australians coming to Europe, you notice they want to do all of Ireland in three days and, oh, we're going to go to France, we're going to go to Rome, you know. Uh, that's not what, that's that's very different from your well, uh, Irish or European mentality is, oh, we're going to just do one city and that's it. Whereas when we when we come over, we want to do everything all at once because it's, it's, it's 36 hours plus to get here and we've only got a week or two to, to be here and it's, and it's a year's savings or even longer, do you know what I mean, just to come to Europe. So... It was very exciting. It's a thrill to be in Europe and be able to be in a different culture, a different uh, landscape, different uh, temperature, you know, this type of stuff. So Kylie did a headlining gig at Hyde Park in London and it was the biggest show of her career and it was very exciting. And I don't know why I'm getting emotional talking about it. But we went. <laughs> Jesus, sorry. I'm sorry. crying about Kylie. Stream disco out November 6th. It's coming out, you guys. <laughs> um, so we went to this show and it was a really big deal because it was a big gig and, and you know, Mika was supporting her, her and years and years were there. It was all very exciting, all these acts that I liked. And, um, but there was also a lot of um, rosé on, on, you know, you could buy rosé in plastic bottles. It was very exciting because it was out in the park and they weren't in glass bottles, they were in plastic bottles. So you could buy these cheap, I think they were 16 pounds, bottles of blush and so I could put them into my backpack. So I was like walking around with this backpack with four bottles of rosé and I was just sculling them back. I don't remember this show at all. What we do remember, well, what I don't remember is coming to near Buckingham Palace in the bushes and I don't know how Colin found me, but he did. So that was my lowest point. Mm. Um, and now look, so this is why I said to you before, well, I don't, we kind of touch on it, but alcoholism, it's, it's, it's a spectrum and everyone has a different story. Um, and so the treatment for it is going to be different for everybody as well. So like I haven't done rehab. I didn't, um, you know, I've, I've got, I haven't been arrested yet. You know, nothing, nothing that bad. But the, the fact of the matter is that it was an, it's an, I, I'd like to think of it as an obsession of, off your mind, an obsession of a mind and, and your whole life starts to revolve around it, mm. you know? So that would probably be my lowest point. Now then, and then, so then at that point, actually, I kind of tried, uh, it's called um, moderate drinking or controlled drinking, where, you know, where you try and control it. But, you know, what happened then when I was just hiding vodka and I was just topping up my bottles, uh, gl bottles, <laughs> my glasses of wine with vodka when Colin wasn't looking. This is when we're back at home, Yeah. you know. So, and then he was like, there's something going wow, on. Wow, you're doing that from home while you're at home? Yeah, well, then I started hiding them around the house. The be I had, um, then I started, because... Because Colin, Colin doesn't drink as much as I do. He never did. Well, he just grew up. You know, he got over it. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I kind of stayed on the same level um, so of drinking. And so because he stopped drinking, I kept on the same level. But then I got used to it and started drinking even more. And I had to hide it from him mm. because he'd be like, well, what the, what the hell's going on there? So, so he's like, okay, that's clearly not working. Why don't you try cider? And I was like, I don't do cider. That's below me. It's it's either champagne, darling, or rosé. <laughs> so, but no. I, so then we found something that looked okay, and that was Orchard Thieves. So again, I just used to I used to scull the full of sugar. Yeah, that stuff. Is I really don't think that was my concern. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> full of sugar. They had light versions. Okay. Um. So I drink half of that, and then just fill it like half it up, top it up with vodka all the time. And and he was like. What's going on? Like, how could somebody get so outrageous on two cans of cider? And how are two cans of cider lasting eight hours? So, um, and then, so that, so it got pretty, uh, yeah, so it just got bad. And then all this stuff from childhood would come up and we'd be watching RuPaul's Drag Race and stuff about racism would come up and I'd get really heated about it when, when, it, when it was being discussed. And my poor Colin would be like, what the hell is going on? Where is all this coming from? This this anger about racism and, and um, homophobia and all this type of stuff. And it's because we never really talked about it you know so um like he did know what happened to me at school but it's just something that i always i say it and i never pause 
And then when I do pause, well, then I start crying. I get really upset. Hence why I always try and gloss over it really quickly. And I talk really fast when I tell that part of my story usually. I didn't today. Hence why I kind of lost it there for a second. Um, but so – and then so that's – this was going on for years. And he's kind of – he just – he did try his best to try and control it, you know. And the poor fellow, every Friday night was like, oh, are we going to be good boys today? Are we? Can we just watch Netflix? And I'll be – and, and so it would be this – it would be this um, – Negotiation. Negotiation. He'd mm. be like, okay, fine, only one can. Like a child, fine, only one can. I'd be like, yeah, sure, cool, one can. One can was never one can because it lasted eight hours. How? How could somebody drink a can for eight – you know, but he – believed me and i abuse that trust you know yeah that's in that in a, in a relationship where you live with each other um if one person is in a completely different mental state like if one person drinks a lot and the other person, it just it's going to create a divide isn't it and it's not it's not going to end well um i think that um when you when you experience when you live with an alcoholic it's um you do have to be a bit tough with them to a certain degree, but also to show empathy. But it also depends why the person is drinking. It, 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 as from what you said, Leon, like what you experienced growing up, um, and the 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 fact that you're saying with the music career, lightning is not going to strike twice. So it was a case of maybe delaying having to deal with that. And in when you drink, it's almost like it bring that first sip of whatever you're drinking. I'm, I don't drink much at all at all ever now, but that first sip is like remind you of a good time. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's instant, almost like instant love or, or something. Um, but I I do like there is a the guy I forget his name, but he he studies twins. He's one of the, like, the main um, kind of develop developmental scientists about twin studies, or whatever. But he says how like it's strange how you can have an alcoholic father and who has two sons and one son becomes an alcoholic and the other never drinks and uh it's uh i think if you see what alcohol can do to a family or to to friends or whatever it's that really stays with you and therefore uh you so th things that happen in your life that when you're young can can be bad but also they can kind of make you strong in a way because you've you've experienced that something that's terrible and you don't want to go back there again um i want to i'm conscious of your time i, wanna, uh, I sorry, don't think sorry, i processed mate. what happened though to me in my childhood and teenage years hence probably why it was it was i was kind of stunted that way stunted because i didn't process any of that uh, it's it's being labeled as trauma now my therapist said it is trauma Two lots of trauma is is what happened to me at school and me not becoming a pop star. To me, that is traumatic. Oh yeah. So, I didn't deal with it. Well, I'm dealing with it now. Um, mm. I'm talking about it now. I didn't talk about it before because um, I just didn't want to talk about it because I present a bright, colourful character to everybody, and it takes a lot of energy to be that positive person. It's a lot of fucking work. Mm. Um, uh, as much as it takes, like, it's very tiring having to to be happy but it's but i have to be because if not i'll go to a very dark place and i don't want to go there yeah so it's hard it's work you know so yeah. but but it's it's not like uh for me it's not a show or anything like you have a lot of energy i mean i've seen you on instagram doing all your plyometrics and stuff but you have a lot of energy and it's like that energy could be used to be as you are which is great and fabulous and flamboyant or it could be used to hate really like you could quite easily be a hateful person but I'm saying you could be, but hmm. you don't. You don't, but you make a choice not to be. Would that be yes, fair? Yes, yes. But it's a conscious decision. Yeah, because it'll eat me up, and yeah. it does eat me up. Mm. Like I like like I said before, I you were like the first straight person that I've straight man that I spoke to, and what you, that was only like four years ago, like whatever how many years ago it was, four years ago. So it took me that long to speak to like I 
took a chance on you. Do you know what I mean? Because let's let's see if I was wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and you didn't you, you didn't disappoint. But, <laughs> but you know, but people since then have. So you know, but I, that's just life, and I need to get over it. Because otherwise, I'm close. I've closed myself from humanity and communities now. Like uh, gay people, I don't deal with them. I don't talk to them. I don't want it to because I can. Because the ones that I dealt with in Sydney were racist and 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 very bitchy. Do you know what I mean? So I've dealt with this my whole life. I'd always, like when even when I was going out, no one ever wanted the coloured boy. They wanted the white one. You know, I'll be the rice effeminate queen. So rice queen is a term, by the way, for right. Asians. <laughs> rice. Rice, oh, rice queen, is yes, in because apparently we, yes, it's a stereotype. So. Um, I've just haven't had a good time with people generally speaking. Mm. Um, so we need to undo that, undo all that, all that thinking. And I kind of go straight to that place straight away. Why did that person do that? It's because I hate you. It's because they're racist. It's because they're homophobic. It's because of this. Because of that. It probably isn't, but that's the first place that I go to because that's my defense. And then I close down. And that's when you met, when you see me at the yoga retreat being all quiet and reserved, it's I'm freaking out. Cause I don't know what, what's going on. And I don't have my husband to be the buffer, buffer because that's what he is now. He and so now that, you know, so I use Colin whenever we go out. Colin's always there to be the buffer to do all the talking because I don't talk. I just stand there. I mm. honestly just stand there and just smile and nod, um, and can't wait to get out of there. So, um, but I'm coming. Like the last year has been a lot of stuff has happened. I've grown a lot. Do you know what I mean? So it's just um, so I've had to do a lot of talking. And I don't like to publicly, I don't like to do public speaking. I can sing and dance if that's fine. Public speaking, I can't do. So I, I think I've done all right so far. I haven't done any stuttering yet, which is great. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no um, um, we're at the hour mark now, but I want to say that uh, thank you for taking a chance on me because uh, I, I've, you know, I'm glad you came into my life and, and Rachel's life as well. Um, we, we, we think you're fantastic. Ah. And, and I'm really happy that you, you're choosing to share your story because um and maybe what do you think you'll sing again yeah so we don't i don't want to get to the the heights of la Minogue or anything like that but just to to publicly sing would be great and i've said like even if it's on instagram live or if it's even like i, I would i do need to sing and i do need to get back to songwriting again because i haven't done it for 12 years now so yeah. that's a long time to not do that to do something that was such a big part of my life. But, you know, I'm doing my silks and my circus arts. And so that's, I am doing something creative, but it's just easing my way back into it until I'm ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would, yes, I will keep, what did they say? Watch this space. Watch this I will space. be performing soon in some, you know, shape <laughs> or form. <laughs> Great, mate. I, I said, <laughs> uh, sis. sis. Thanks, sis. Thanks, doll. Sis. Thanks, Thank- pet. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dion. <laughs> that, that was fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening, for watching. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Please um, share or tell a friend. Hit the like button if there is one there below you. And also um, leave a comment or leave a review on iTunes. That would be fantastic. Again, if you would like to move with me virtually, you can do that by joining my online membership platform. And you can also cancel any time. So if you're thinking, right, I'll get into this for Christmas, for the new year, and then summer I'll do my own thing. You could do that. That is an option. You just go to kevinboyyoga.ie forward slash membership for the platform. One week trial. In other words, seven days. So thank you again. I hope you had fun with that one. And until next time, be good.